this is Circulating Ideas, recorded live at the 2019 American Library Association Annual Conference in Washington, D.C. I'm Steve Thomas. My guest is Rebecca Vanuk, who is the Executive Director of Library Reads. Reader's Advisory is a core service of libraries, and you want to have your staff trained by the very best. Back in 2007, librarian Becky Spratford was working at a public library and teaching the Reader's Advisory course at Dominican University, but wanted to do more to compile her best ideas and save the very best of her students' work, so she started a blog, RA for All. That's at raforall.blogspot.com, and that's as a way to showcase and catalog all that work. And now the blog is one of the most trusted and respected RA tools available. And after 15 years of public service, Becky transitioned into being a full-time consultant in 2015 and provides RA training to library workers all over the world. And now she can help you. If you're interested in hiring Becky to present at your library staff day, your state library conference, or wherever library workers are learning, either in person or virtually, Go to raforall.blogspot.com and preview some of her past programs, her current schedule of events, and listen to her talk about RA service, and you can also obtain basic pricing information. Click the RA for All logo at the top of the blog to find her contact information, and if you mention circulating ideas, she will give you 10% off if you book by the end of 2019. Thanks to Becky for sponsoring this episode of Circulating Ideas. So again, go to raforall.blogspot.com and book Becky by the end of 2019 and you will get 10% off if you mention Circulating Ideas. So um, before we get into library reads um, and what all it is and what all is involved, um, since you're a reader's advisory guru... (laughs) I'll take it. Do you have any um, particular... We're saying, well, obviously, this is summer 2019, so people listening in the future maybe disregard a little bit, but anything in particular now that you recommend to people that you are excited about read, reading wise? Yes. So, um, one of the books that I've been talking about a lot at this conference is the new Jocelyn Jackson book. Um, it comes out uh, July 30th, 2019, from HarperCollins, and um, it's called Never Have I Ever. Uh, it is. She writes Southern women's fiction, usually kind of you know comic, um, but in this case, she's moved into the thriller genre, which is particularly fun for me because I like thrillers a lot, and I also like her just for her women's fiction. Um, and one of the things I, I I won't give away any of the ending, but um, I love twist endings, and I love being surprised at the end of books. And this one has. I think I kind of stood up and gave a little cheer at the end of this book. I won't say what happens, but. Put it this way, it's what I want to have happen in thrillers and even in like thriller movies when it never happens. And when this happened, I was very excited. So I do like to push that one a lot. <laughs> Is the main character dead the whole time? <laughs> it's not that twisty. Everybody's alive. So, um, but it's good. It's the story of a, a suburban housewife who is kind of living this, you know, boring life. She does a book club every week, every month, or what it is. Um, and one day, a stranger to the neighborhood comes to the book club. And she's like, oh, wait, maybe this will be something kind of spice us up. We're all used to each other. We want a new person. And this new person, unfortunately, is someone from her past who knows things that she has been hiding for about 20 years. And so it's, it gets very twisty and very dark, and it's, it's, a, it's a really good story. So, 
it's it's kind of funny that a lot of authors, you know, they'll write in one genre and then feel like they're stuck in that genre because they don't feel like their publisher will let them get out because they feel like it'll dilute their brand or whatever it is. But then it's almost like you want you pass a threshold when you're famous enough, and then you're allowed to try other <laughs> genres again. Things. You can try new things, exactly. So it's it's a good one. It's yeah. a good one. So you are now at Library Reads. Can you give us just a basic overview of what Library Reads is? Yes. So Library Reads is the monthly nationwide library staff pick list for adult fiction and nonfiction. So what it is, it is a top 10 list, basically. Um, Anyone who works in a public library, so it doesn't have to be just librarians, anyone who works in a public library can vote. Um, It's all pre-pub titles. And we announce it the month before the books come out. So everyone, it's, it acts as a collection development tool and a reader's advisory tool, which is really great. Um, it started, we're actually ending our uh, fifth anniversary year this year. So um, we were kind of been excited about that. Basically, a group of librarians kind of looked around and there's all kinds of children's lists and there's all kinds of, you know, young adult lists. And they were like, well, where's the, you know, where's the stuff for the grownups? And of course there is, you know, there's great stuff coming from ALA. There's notables and, and all that kind of stuff, but they wanted more, um, a lot of the genre stuff and to kind of pick like our, our version of the bestseller list, right? What are librarians excited about? And so they modeled the list off of the existing, um, Indie Next list, which is uh, the booksellers, the independent booksellers list. And so um, anybody who works in a library can go on to Edelweiss or NetGalley to register for their free account. And those services allow you to download eGalleys. You can also vote if you have the print galley, you know, if you come to conference and you're getting them or if you get them in the mail from the library marketing folks. And there's information on our website, which is librarireads.org. There's information there how to sign up for those accounts and how to get yourself on these lists and get the books ahead of time. And then you use those two databases to vote. And so we take the votes. There's no, we do have a board. We're run by a 10-person board, and then I'm the executive director. And we have um, our wonderful administrative assistant, Allison Escoto, is in New York City. And uh, we take those votes, and we create this top 10 list. And there's a printable that goes along with it, so it's a nice... um, uh, a nice little small poster size that you can use at your library. We have downloadable emblems for stickers that you can put on the books. So it really does have that kind of reader's advisory component too, which is which is kind of nice. And um, what kind of uh, participation have you had? How many how many votes kind of do you get per month for titles? Per month, it, it ranges. We end up anywhere from twenty five hundred to I think our top. We've topped out around four thousand. Um, I'm trying to think of my annual report numbers. I'm putting together the annual report this summer. Uh, so we, we do I, in, a, in a given year, we do about 40,000 votes altogether. Uh, and Allison and I and one of our board members, Steve Spazzato, we sit there and we go through the spreadsheets and hand count them because we have to pick out the things that don't qualify. If you're voting, please don't vote for children's books. Please don't vote for YA books. We have to pick those out by hand. <laughs> um, and it is just for public librarians. Unfortunately, we would love to have... Uh, the open voting, but we, we wanted this to be kind of special for public librarians. So if you are a school librarian or an academic librarian, please don't vote because you, we won't see that from Edelweiss and NetGalley. You do have to have yourself listed as a public librarian in their system in order for us to get your votes. Uh, and yeah, so that's, that is what we do. We put together this list. The other thing that we do is we have actually, so we are a, a fully formed 501c6 nonprofit Initially, we were um, a volunteer group, basically, and uh, the American Booksellers Association was very gracious in helping us 
uh, set up HR and payroll and that kind of stuff. But now we're fully incorporated and on our own. And one of the things that we've been really working towards is to offer Reader's Advisory education opportunities for both Reader's Advisory and collection development. So that that's what I hope you will see more of that from us in the future. We did start uh, early this year, maybe it was late last year, with um, this wonderful partnership with Novelist, the, the EBSCO database Novelist, and we're running genre training webinars with them. You can find out information about those. We have one coming up in July on romance. We just finished one, was... Um, was it mystery we just did or science fiction? Can't remember. We've done them both, and I just can't remember what order they went in. But that again, that is on our website. You can you can listen to and, and view the past recordings for that. So we do those once every other month. Uh, so so we definitely we're we're get we're moving into that space. I think um, it can be hard to find those training opportunities, especially if you don't have the the ability to come to things like here for ALA or PLA or even your state conference. We really we're trying to reach people uh, wherever they are and get them that that reader's advisory brushing up. And for those um, webinars, do people go to Novelist for that? Or they go to your site for that? No, they, you, can, you can link, to, we're, we're linked to it on our site, but it's through the Novelist site. It's their uh, WebEx connection. Uh, and they are free, and you just have to register ahead of time. You can view them afterwards, though, too, if you can't make it live that day. Uh, but they are, they, are all, they are all free, which is one of the things we really wanted to do was, I should have said that, offer free Reader's Advisory Education Training. Okay, and who do you get to... Um lead those courses? Um, how do you find the people that you want to lead those? Right now, I'm actually, we've been tapping our Library Reads board. Uh, all of our board members have been participating in doing that. And so I think for each one, we have at least one board member, and then it's um, one or two novelist staffers. Uh, so it's been, a, it's been a good compliment on that. Good. So like you said, um, Library Reads started as a volunteer organization, and then uh, a year or so ago, two years ago, they, they brought you on as exec- executive director. Um, how do you feel like the, it's changed since you've come on board? What kind of things have you been doing and along with your administrative assistant to help out? Sure. So uh, like I said, one of the things is we've, we've started this education component. Uh, we also have taken over some of the programming that the AAP used to do at Book Expo, ALA Midwinter, and ALA Annual. There are There's an annual dinner event and lunch event at Book Expo, and then there's a Saturday author panel and the Monday morning breakfast that the AAP used to do, and now uh, Library Reads has stepped in to kind of um, run those and, and help sponsor those along with ALMA, which is the Adult Library Marketing Association, and that's the former group um, that was under the AAP, the Library Marketers. So that's um, all of the, you know, Penguin Random House, HarperCollins, Workman, Macmillan, Simon & Schuster, reps from that, from all of the different publishers, um, Course books, etc., get together, and we all kind of coordinate to make these these big events happen and get get authors in front of people, which is another thing I'm quite proud of. Um, I really, if you go to our website or really look at our social media, we we do a lot of tweeting um, in the moment when things are happening, and you'll see all of the different people that have appeared on our panels. And I'm really really proud of getting some of those books out in front of people. That's great. Um, so it sounds like you do have a good relationship with the publishers. that they work with you on this too? Yes. Well? Yeah. So the publishers um, are very generous in their support of Library Reads. Um, we really, when I try and explain what Library Reads is to people who don't work in the library world and might not understand things, I, I generally say, oh, I work for a nonprofit that works with 
publishers and librarians to promote adult books and reading. So that, that kind of explains it to people who might not know, you know, what publishers do for their marketing efforts and that sort of thing. Um, it's definitely a, a great relationship that we have. They're always looking for more ways to get their books out in front of everybody. Um, and so we really are happy to do that and we're happy to get support from them. Uh, one of the things I can talk about a little bit is the Library Reads Reach. Um, we have, let me think for a second, we have almost 8,000 people on our email list, and we have a 52% open rate, which is awesome. So people are looking for our list, right? They get that. comes out once a month on the 15th of every month. Um, we have 6,000 Twitter followers. We have almost 8,000 Facebook followers. We have like 3,000 Instagram followers. And we tweet all of the books out from the list individually, and then we tag the authors and we tag the publishers. So that really kind of gets people, like you see our stuff, we, we get people engaged with it. And the publishers love that because it's one more thing that they can then retweet or, or re, recast and put out. And it's really good. Um, and we, uh, when the list comes out every month, Baker and Taylor and Ingram both automatically populate carts with it. So collection development libraries, librarians can just go on and, and hit their cart and get all of the library reads books. It's really nice. Um, I am almost positive that uh, Overdrive and Midwest Type do that as well, which is nice for the ebooks and the audiobooks. Um, and yeah, so we just we have a really we have a good reach, and it shows. The publishers will tell us, you know, that they'll see they see that sales spike because, you know, who doesn't trust what the librarians have to say? Like, that? and that's that's really the whole purpose of the list, right? Is to be recommended reads um, that are coming from people who know books and who are excited about books. So, um, how much overlap do you think you have? generally with bestseller lists than when they come out? Because obviously this is not the same thing as that. It's not based on sales, but there's going to be some overlap probably. Yes. So there is there is some overlap. So one of the things we've done to kind of make sure we don't replicate the bestseller list is we just this last year created what we call the Library Reads Hall of Fame. And that is when an author has a book appear on our list three times. That third book moves them into the Hall of Fame. Uh, right now, our list is capped at 10. We're a top 10 list. But what this does, and a good example of it is this month, July 2019, we had six Hall of Fame authors. And that was able to open up six spots on the regular list for books that aren't already bestsellers to kind of move them up there. And we still give them the same promotion that the other books get. Um, there is a special Hall of Fame page on our website, which a little little bit of extra information about that author and that's kind of nice. We were hearing a lot from people that, oh, you know, such and such doesn't need to be on that list. We're already buying them. I don't need to hear about that new book coming out. I already know about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, we are a favorites list, so we don't want to take that away from anyone. So we thought by creating this Hall of Fame, we could give those authors the respect and the push that they deserved for those books, but then also open up spaces for, um, for other authors as well. And it's worked out really well. We've gotten great feedback from both the publishers and our library users. So it's, it's worked out nicely. Yeah, no, I think I've, I've heard that I know the people who do the best titles list even get a little frustrated sometimes of how to make it, you know, like they famously made a children's list almost exclusively to get Harry Potter off nice. the adult list. <laughs> And how I don't know how you do it so it's not top ten James Patterson every time because he comes exactly. out with a new book every week. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. yeah, um, and a lot of people I don't think realize that the publishers do have or most of them. I won't say all of them. I don't know for sure that all of them have a de- devoted library marketing team. Yes. Um, can you talk about how you've worked with them? Yes. So it is very interesting. Publishers take libraries very seriously, right? We are we are a giant source of sales for them. 
especially the larger libraries that buy hundreds of copies, but even even the smaller libraries that just buy the one and two and three copies, you know, we don't ever return books the way that bookstores do. <laughs> there's there's no remainders on that. And they also know that librarians are really out there talking about these books. We are buzzing those books. So yes, all of the major publishers have separate library marketing departments. And they're all wonderful folks. I've been working with them for years. When I was back at Booklist, I got to know most of them. And, and this has been a great way for me to continue that relationship that I already had now into Library Reads. Um, uh, if you go to our website, I don't have it up yet, but we're actually revamping our website shortly. By the end of this summer, it'll look all brand new, and we're going to have a page on there with all of the contact information for those library marketing folks. It exists right now on the Early Word site. Um, Nora has a page up on there that still lists how to get in touch with everyone at the different groups, and all you have to do is send them an email, give them your address, they'll be happy to get you on their lists, um, and make sure that you get the books that you're looking for. So for those um, listeners who may not know what it is, can you talk a little bit about um, what Early Word is? Absolutely. So Early Word is a website that exists, um, sort of a, a bridge, again, between public library staff and publishers. It was started out as a blog that was started by Nora Rawlinson. And she would um, give information about books that were coming out and talking a lot about galleys. And so when she sort of retired the blog a few years ago, the, she kept the website up. So it's still there for information purposes. And Robin Bierbauer, recently retired from the Salem Public Library, does a lot of the work on the galley chat portion. So galley chat is something that happens the, second, or the first Tuesday of every month from 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock Eastern. And anybody, if you are on Twitter, you just start chatting away at 4 o'clock the first Tuesday of the month. And you do the hashtag, which is hashtag EWGC, early word galley chat. And everyone starts to talk about the different galleys that they've received, stuff that they're excited about getting. Um, it's always fun to, to kind of chime in around conference time, either right before or right after, to see what everybody's been buzzing about. And it's a great way to start hearing about books. I mean, we're talking about things that come out in like December and January already for next year. So that's kind of fun to see. It really is early. The early part of early word is fun. Uh, so that that's a way just for people to kind of get together virtually and talk about these books. It's like the little, the little galley book club kind of on Twitter. So that's, that's early words galley chat. Yeah, sometimes you can get them really far in advance. Like we mentioned we had lunch earlier, and we mentioned that I'd gotten one for a book that comes out in February. Yeah. And this is what we're recording this at the end of June. So, yeah. and you know, one of the things that's my a lot of my board members talk about this when they first started library reads and went around to different programs at things like ALA and Book Expo. And they started talking to people who didn't really realize that, yes, everybody that works in the library can get their hands on these books. A lot of people still kind of think, oh, that's just for the collection development librarians. Um, that box of books comes in and only goes to tech services or only our fiction person or only our reader's advisory librarian gets those. And that's not true. You know, anyone in the library who's talking about books can, can get a hold of these books. And you don't have to wait until you can come to conference and take them all with you and have your luggage be oversized or <laughs> spend 40 bucks mailing them back to your library. Uh, you can do them all, almost everything. It's surprising how much is available via either Edelweiss or NetGalley as the e-galleys. I, I right now, I think my e-galley pile is larger than my physical pile. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's really a nice way to get 
your hands on these books and read them and find out what everybody's going to be talking about. It's one more way for librarians to really show that we are the people in the know. It's kind of it's kind of cool when a patron comes in and says, oh, I heard that this book is coming out. And you're like, yeah, read it three months ago. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was great. Like, it really makes you, it cements our place as the book authority, which is kind of cool. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, you want to go ahead and get on that hold list. So <laughs> it's in the catalog, comes out next month, go ahead and get on the hold list. Exactly, exactly. And that's why our list comes out the month ahead of time. One of the things that I do a lot, right after we post, when we finish posting out each of the books individually, then we do one final post that has all 10 titles featured. And what I usually do is then quick, um, on my own personal social media accounts, I put that out there. And it's wonderful, all of my non-library friends who are like, oh my gosh, this is great. I, 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 I trust everything that you tell me to read. And they run to their library to get their hold on, or they go to the bookstore to get their order in. And it's really kind of cool, because again, they look at us as, well, if the librarians are saying this is good, I want to make sure I read it. And so it's, it's a great way to, to get those books out there. Um, have you all done any kind of push to get the get library reads outside of the library world you know i mean like to appeal to just everyday patrons customers things like that so they start to see us as because the, because they, they like you said they do see us as, that, as an authority but so they see this list more prominently yes so we have not done anything much outside marketing to library folks however we see a lot in social media we'll see libraries and library branches tweet these things out and, and post it on Facebook and they'll take a picture of their display that they've got. I hear a lot from library staff who say, oh my gosh, every month when it comes out, I print that list out. We have a, a rotating permanent display of all the library reads books. So we really are relying on our, our library folks to get that word out to their patrons and, and let them know that this list exists. Yeah, I was going to do a display like that once, and but then I could never keep it. It was, it was always empty. <laughs> That's, that's the trouble with trying to do a display of new stuff. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> with those uh, library marketing teams at the publishers, I do feel a little sorry for them sometimes because sometimes other divisions of their company will do things that don't make libraries happy. <laughs> and so they, they but, the, but then they're that conduit and they're the ones that hear that. So when there's ebook limits set on things and they like that, they don't necessarily like that. <laughs> right. So. Yes. Unfortunately, they never have any say in any of that. However, it's useful to have their ear. And, and we, I believe, Last summer, right before the Panorama Project really got underway, which is the uh, group that is working on collecting statistics and data around how library checkouts influence li- uh, book purchasing, uh, we the Library Reads Board had crafted a statement that said, you know, we are we are uncomfortable with having anything throttled basically you know it's not fair for ebook readers to not get the same advantages that print readers get and we encourage the publishers to take their library partnership seriously um, so we are very aware of that and it is true the library marketing folks are very sympathetic to us because they know us and they love us as librarians and library workers um, so it's it's not falling on deaf ears completely because they'll go back and tell their bosses hey this is what I hear and especially when you're here at conference right they can go back and say this was the biggest thing that people came up in the booth and told us so it does it helps to kind of have that friendly person in your corner right well and if you have that friendly person in the corner you can give your feedback and not a screaming all caps exactly. <laughs> email because you could be like well I, I, I like you and I'm going to talk right. to you and then, then this you know waiting a month to be able to let my people read the tour book or whatever three months whatever whatever is for tour you know things like that yeah. it's nice to have them to listen so. exactly um so you said uh, Library Reads is only is for, when the Library Reads comes out, that's for the books that came out 
the following month. Is that right? That's correct. So it comes out on the 15th of the month and it is for the book there for the month coming up. So we just released the July list earlier this week or last week. It's Monday already earlier last week. Um, and the votes are due on the first of the month before the book's publication date. So for example, um, in the future, you'll be listening to this, but if you are voting, for example, for a book that comes out in October, your vote for that will be due by September 1st. And then we, we take two weeks to hurry up and get those votes collated, and then the list comes out on the 15th. So you always want to make sure you're voting by midnight Eastern on the first of the month, the month prior to the book's release date. And for books that they withhold uh, advanced copies, they're, they're out of luck for library reads. <laughs> They kind of are, <laughs> um, but really that's not, it's, it's not too many of them. Um, again, if the book doesn't have an e-galley component, if you're, if you're reading it from a print galley that you had mailed to you or you got at conference here, as long as the record exists in, uh, in Edelweiss and NetGalley, and there's many more records than there are downloadables, so as long as the record exists, that's, you can still place your vote for it. That's not a problem at all. Right, and the things they don't do advances of all of some huge. Thing. It's going to be huge on anyway. Exactly, exactly. Right, right. They're not looking for your vote for that. <laughs> they got the sales just nice. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes. That's exactly it. So, the library board of directors were the ones that were there at the beginning. That was as part of the volunteer effort. Is it all the same people on the board from when it started five years ago? And if not, how or how did how do they work on succession sort of plans? That is a very good question. It is actually not the same people anymore. For the first five years, it was the original group of librarians who had started it, and then a couple people who had to drop off for job reasons, and we brought a couple new people on. Uh, right now, we have Stephanie Anderson from Book Ops, New York Public Library. She is our chair, and she is the last remaining original member. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've kept her on for six years so that I could have, I'm like, this is a transition year. We need someone who holds the institutional memory. Uh, so she's still staying on for a year. And then we have staggered terms. Um, our board members come on for three-year terms at a time. Uh, next year we'll have, I think I've got two or three people who are rotating off and we'll get some new people on. And basically, um, we look for a diversity in geography. You know, we want people from all over the country. Um, I look for people who are at diversity of library type. I want small libraries. I want medium-sized libraries. I want large libraries. Um, and just diversity in general. I want, a, I want a mixed group of people who have different needs and different ideas. So if anyone out there listening is interested in participating on the Library Reads Executive Board, you can just drop me a line. Um, my email is on the website. And uh, then we, we have a nominating committee. It goes, you know, we're, since we are a full nonprofit board we we have our bylaws and our steps and all of that but uh but yeah we're always looking for people to who want to step up and be part of the library reads world great um well the last thing i wanted to ask about was uh, are there any things can you think of any books in particular that so were sort of a surprise to you that were on the list or has everything kind of been you know what i mean is was there a surprise title like oh i didn't know that was going to be something or other no you know i can't think of anything that was a particular surprise to me but i can say two things that have stood out to me recently number one is there are a lot of dedicated romance readers out there because (laughs) we are finding that those books are really hitting our list so that's great like these are people who are getting those galleys and are voting for their favorites so we we do see a lot on there and again this is it is a favorites list so so that's how that works the other thing that we keep saying we would love to see more of is nonfiction. i think that people sometimes forget that you can vote for nonfiction because the list does tend to be dominated by fiction um 
it really, we are always pleasantly surprised when a nonfiction book gets on. So definitely vote for those nonfiction books too. We, we would like to see those come on. I'm always pleasantly surprised when that happens. And about how many people do you think are on the Hall of Fame list now? Just a vague number, would you? Uh, right now we have, I would say it's a dozen right now because we just started in October of 2018. Our first Hall of Fame author was Jody Picoult. Right, she doesn't. Right, we, she had hit the list, and we were like, "Great, she's our, our first person we start with." Even it was a, it was a good choice. Um, and then it's usually one or two books a month. This last month, as I said, the July list had six authors on it, which is I think the previous largest group had been three at a time. So this was like, "Whoa, what do we do?" We had to make our printout like three pages long in order to handle that that extra Hall of Fame stuff. And we expect that that's actually going to be the case probably going forward. Is the more people have appeared, the more we're going to start moving them into the Hall of Fame. So our Hall of Fame is just going to grow, which is good. to have a separate top exactly. 10 Hall of Fame members from this month. Exactly, exactly. So, so yeah. And that's the thing I, I should point that out. Once an author is in the Hall of Fame, it does not mean that their next title also gets Hall of Fame designation. It still has to be something that librarians are voting for. It has to be something that would have hit our list even if they weren't in the Hall of Fame. So definitely make sure you're, you keep voting for those authors as well. Well, that's great. I mean, it's great that it gives a, it helps add to that diversity of voices that, I mean, because you're just, because obviously there are favorite authors people just have already and they're going to read all their new books and that's right. going to be a, a bias sort of on the list, but it's, that, that's going to work itself out, I think, over time as people move to the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, absolutely. The other thing, um, we, we see a lot, as I said with the romance, we see a lot of genre titles on there. And I think, again, that's, it's what's popular. People are, are enjoying that. I always tell people, you don't have to have finished the book before you vote for it. Because I always get these people, like, the week before the votes are due, or even on the first time, I always get people who are like, oh, no, I still have 75 pages left. And I'm like, you can vote for it. As long as you have read part of it and you know you, it's, it's a favorite of yours, you want it, go ahead and vote for it. So you don't have to wait until you're all the way finished. You don't have to get through your TBR pile. If it's, if it's something you want to vote for, give it your vote. Just hope it doesn't have bad endings. <laughs> right, right. I do. I have one of one of my board members said she's like, I don't like to do that because I voted for something once, and then when I finished it, I really didn't like it. <laughs> and then I threw it across and the I, room. Right, and she's like, and I wasted my vote. <laughs> and there's also I should I should also say there's no limit on your votes. You can vote for as many books as you want every month. So, and you also can vote ahead of time. You don't have to wait until the first. You can. You can, if you're here at the conference and you're getting those books that are coming out in December, go ahead and get your vote in now for it. We, yeah, I, I was going yes. to ask about that, and I forgot earlier. But yeah, yep. so, so you can, as soon as you read it, you can go ahead and vote Absolutely. for it, and it'll go into the spreadsheet in the right, in the right it spot. It goes into the spreadsheet in the right spot. We get all of those um, back votes, and, and they, they do get counted, so feel free. And to be a little technical about it, is it a Google form or something, or how, how, how do you guys do that? We get spreadsheets from, we get one from Edelweiss and one from NetGalley, and of course they don't match, we, the columns don't match up, and we, even the, in the fields, the name of their fields don't match up, so that's where we spend several hours each month collating those votes together, and then, like I said, having to knock out the stuff that doesn't fit into just public librarian votes and adult, or public library votes and adult books, so we, we knock all of that out, and then we count from there. Because they, they, because they, they allow other librarians to get galleys, right? Correct. It's just, they, they, just to, to, to library readers, then you knock them out. That's correct. Exactly. All right. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming back on the show to talk about library reads. Thanks so much for having me. It was delightful.
And um, can you give everybody the contact information again for you and for how to get how to find out more about Library Reads? Absolutely. So our website is libraryreads.org. My email is just Rebecca at libraryreads.org. So feel free to drop me a line and you can find out. We have, like I said, our downloadable information is on there. Our archive of the last five years of lists is on there and our Hall of Fame is on there. There's also a link to subscribe to our newsletter. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thanks. Circulating Ideas is produced by Steve Thomas in the suburbs of Atlanta. Views expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of my place or work or the place of work of guests. For past interviews, visit circulatingideas.com and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or your podcast app of choice. And help others find the show by leaving a rating or a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at Cirque Ideas or like the show's Facebook page. Music is by Pamela Klicka. Thanks for listening and keep circulating your ideas.